0: Praise God. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord for a few moments here. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Oh, he's great. He's mighty. He's righteous. He's holy. There is none like him. There is none like him. God bless you, and you may be seated. It's always good to be here at Greater Life. I don't have any better friends than Brother and Sister Hughes. We talk frequently through the week, and uh, he has been someone that I could lean upon and uh, pour my heart out to, and uh, I dearly love and appreciate him. Many of you I have known through the years, and it is good to see you. And it's always good to be in the presence of the Lord. I will confess to you that I stand here tonight somewhat torn. I went to bed last night thinking I was going to preach one thing. Got up this morning and prayed and felt like I was going to preach something else. And got in here tonight and... uh The Lord just has quickened a verse of Scripture to me. And uh, even though I have been full-time preaching this year for 50 years, that still scares me nigh unto death uh, to just read a verse of Scripture and uh, just uh, do whatever. But uh, I, I do feel the presence of the Lord here. I really, really do. And I believe that God wants to do something mighty, powerful. I had a little bit of an unusual experience this morning. and Those of you that uh, know me know that when I was a five-year-old boy back in 53, there was a polio epidemic that swept through the city of Houston it was before the polio vaccine and houston was one of the cities that was extremely hard hit and as a 5 year old i was diagnosed with polio there are three different viruses to the disease and i was diagnosed with the worst and in fact they told my parents said uh, you need to prepare yourself Uh, Not only do we think he is going to be paralyzed for life, but we don't think he will live. And if he lives, it will be a very short time, and it will be in an iron lung. And uh, I can still remember, I had not been in the hospital. Those of you that have been around Houston for a long time, perhaps you would remember Hedgecroft. Uh, it was like uh, M.D. Anderson for cancer. Hedgecroft was the polio hospital that's been torn down since the vaccine and uh, not hardly needed. But it was there in the medical center uh, just across from the Herman Park. And I I remember the night that uh, they didn't think I would live through the night. And what was so unusual? You know, I'm 72 years old, and uh, I was five at the time. And while it's not something I have forgotten, it's something that is not always vivid in my memory. And this morning, early, while I was praying, all of a sudden, there was something that took me back to that particular night. And I can still remember, even though I was five, it burned into my memory. Doctors, nurses, uh, they had a little uh, hand uh, gadgets that they were trying to help me breathe with. And my lungs were extremely impacted. And because of the epidemic that had hit Houston at that particular time, there was not in the entire city of Houston an available iron lung, and they told my dad, who was with me that night, he he's got to be put in one or he's not going to be here when the sun rises in the morning. And I, I can still remember how that on both sides of the bed there were doctors and nurses and uh, medical personnel, and how they were turning my body and pounding on me and doing everything that they could. And uh, I, I wasn't conscious so much of what he was doing, but I could hear they put my dad out of the room, and I could hear his voice out in the hallway. And uh, after a while, one of the doctors that was seemingly in charge of everything said to one of the nurses, go out. And get someone to come up. It was in the a.m. hours of the morning. Something's got to be done with that poor man out there. He's going to wake up the entire hospital. And he was out. I, I wasn't really old enough to know what intercession prayer was. But he was out praying. Talking to God. Reaching out to God. Refusing to be denied. Believing that he was going to have a miracle the iron lung never showed up, but uh, the next morning I was still breathing. That came so vividly to me, but here's what I want to remind you. Following that, as I was praying this morning, suddenly uh, there was a six-week-later uh, visit to the doctor that had diagnosed me with Boulevard Polio. And I had been discharged from the hospital. Now, I was extremely thin, believe it or not. My mother says that the biggest thing on me at that time was my kneecaps. But uh, my legs were the same roundness and the same length. My arms were the same length and the same roundness. And my spine, which had been almost like a snake, was perfectly straight. And they discharged me from the hospital, and the doctor that had uh, diagnosed me asked to see me. I can remember the morning that my mother took me in to him. This was something that had just faded back, that this morning it was so vivid. I don't know why I am telling this, but I just feel like there's somebody here that God wants to tell you, hey, reach out, take hold. Trust me, it's all going to be all right in Jesus' name. I I can remember how he had me hold my arms out, and uh, he would measure them, and he he measured my wrist and uh, my elbow area and up on my shoulder, and then he'd do it on the other arm, and he kept doing it with my legs, and uh, he'd have me... Uh, bend over and let my hands hang down and he would uh, go up and down my spine and he would try to move it from one side to the other and uh, he after a while got through and I remember standing there and him turning around and looking at my mother and saying there is absolutely no explanation for this. I cannot tell you what has taken place. I cannot tell you what has happened, but there's not a single effect of polio that can be found anywhere in his body. Our God's a healer. You hear me when I tell you our God's a healer. My mother said... We have the explanation. And I was only five, but I can still remember her telling him a detailed story of how that they prayed and how the people gathered and they prayed 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 and they they believed God. And she said, what you're seeing here, said, medically, there's no explanation for it. But if you read your Bible... I want you to know that our God still hears prayer. He still answers prayer. He's still the mighty God. Hey, whatever you ask in my name, believing, you're going to receive it. Uh, I I sense a faith here tonight. Uh, I feel like there's somebody that needs to just step out into that river and let your fears go. And just simply allow God to lead and guide and direct. Put your confidence in Him. Put your trust in Him. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He hasn't changed. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Oh, what a God. What a God. What a God! Praise God. Well, only the good Lord knows where we're going here tonight. But I want to read from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, I am going to begin reading with verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And this next phrase is what is eating on me here tonight. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this, will perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts Will, everybody say will, Will. perform perform this. I want you to note something here. He doesn't talk about their faith. He's not talking about their consecration. He's not talking about their dedication. I believe in waiting on the Lord and I believe in faith and I believe in consecration. I believe in fasting and I believe in prayer, but that's not what he's talking about here when he said, the hand of the Lord will perform this. You know how he said it was going to be done? It was going to be done by the zeal of the Lord. His enthusiasm, his love, his compassion, his grace. Oh, what a God we serve. Would you like to just lift your hands for a moment and just love Him? He is great. He is mighty. He is powerful. There is none like Him. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless you and you may be seated. In Isaiah the 53rd chapter, Isaiah had a vision of the crucified lord and he asked a question as he began to put into words that that he had just witnessed in the spirit he said who has believed our report and to whom shall the arm of the lord be revealed you are well aware that during the gospel period the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that passage of Scripture was referred to quite often in the four Gospels. You have an eye to see, but you don't see. You have an ear to hear, but you don't hear. Stop with me for just one moment and try to imagine something. From the close of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, There is an era that we refer to as the 400 silent years. That's hard for me to fathom. God was so disappointed with mankind. And God just simply said, all right, if you're going to choose to live without me, I'm just going to step out of your life for a little while. I'm going to pull a scroll from one end of the horizon to the other. And I'm going to close myself off from mankind. I'm not going to call another prophet. I'm not going to speak through another prophet. There will no longer be an individual that will stand and say, Thus saith the word of the Lord. And for 400 years, heaven was silent. I would hate to imagine what that would be like. And trying to pray, trying to reach out, trying to hold on to God. I'm so thankful that when I call upon his name that I can feel that touch and that love and that mercy and that kindness that kind of just uh, comes down upon me. Can you imagine what it would be like? Well, there's been a time or two in my life when I was going through difficulties and nothing like Job went through. But let me remind you of what Job said. He said, I go to my right, he's not there. I go to my left, he's not there. I move forward, he's not there. I back up, he's not there. And he asked the question, oh, where can I find him? Is there anybody here that can talk to me and help me? I talk to him and he doesn't seem to hear me. I reach out to him and he seems to be just a little bit beyond my reach. But note what Job did. He said, even though the skin worm destroys this flesh, even though I don't feel a thing, even though I feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, I believe that in my flesh I shall see the Lord. He held on to his faith. There were a few that held on to their faith, but they were not necessarily extremely healthy spiritually. Look at Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. This is at the end of the 400 silent years. He goes into the temple. It's amazing to me that after 400 silent years that they were uh, still burning incense. But there were a few people that just refused to let go of their faith. There were a few people that just said, hey, There's nothing else to hold to. It doesn't look like the promises are ever going to come. But somehow I'm just going to hold on. And they would remind themselves and maybe they would talk to themselves every now and then and remind each other of what Isaiah the prophet had said. The zeal of the Lord will perform it. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We're just going to have to sit back and even though it looks like an impossibility we're going to have to Trust the Lord. You know the story. While he was there burning incense, suddenly an angel appeared to him. But even seeing an angel, he had a hard time believing. In fact, he was somewhat rebuked. And he was told because he asked for an additional sign, when you get home, you're going to find that your wife shortly will conceive, and she's going to bring forth a son, and she was barren up in years. He was up in years, and the son that they were going to become parents of, you know him as John the Baptist, the forerunner, that said, because you've struggled believing and struggled holding on here, I want you to understand something. You're going to be mute from this point forward. You're not going to be able to speak another word to the birth of that boy. All they had to hold to was the zeal of the Lord. But I want you to know that God loves humanity. There's not a person here that he does not love. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. If you will humble yourself before God, if you will come with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, I want you to understand that He will receive you with loving hands. His blood will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will restore you. He will give you a brand new beginning. All things will pass away and behold, all things will become new. He's just that kind of a God. Oh, if we could only understand how much God loves people. I will never, ever forget the summer of 1974. And to my utter dismay, I found that in the summer of 74 that the hand of the Lord was upon me and uh, informed me that I was to go into New York City to the borough of Queens to open a new church. The borough of Queens did not have a single apostolic jesus name church in it. And you've got to understand that Queens at that time in 74 was Larger, as far as population is concerned, than the entire greater Houston area. And not a single church. It it was so strange moving there. I I have to be honest. I didn't want to go. And it it looked like an impossibility. I mean, I'm 25. My wife is 21. 21. Uh, Christmas for Christ gave us $800 a month to live on. And if you know anything about New York City, even back in the 70s, that was nigh unto an impossibility. And I'm not here to feel sorry for myself or make you feel sorry for me, but I can tell you one thing. We ate a whole lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And you know what? It's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it made me appreciate God and I can remember when it was time to eat another peanut butter and jelly sandwich bowing my head to thank God for the food and perhaps for the first time in my life I had a real feeling of graciousness and gratefulness for the fact that God was being with me nobody welcomed us in fact I'd been there just a few days, and uh, I decided I wanted to find a Christian bookstore. Hard to imagine, but in the entire borough of Queens, I found one bookstore. It was in a house, and uh, I, I got the address, and uh, nobody answered the telephone, and uh I I wanted to go and just see if I could find a book and read and try to forget the fact of my misery and poor me. Oh, God's forsaken me, and here I am in uh, a no-God land and all of those uh, terrible little stories and self-pity things that I was feeling and experiencing. I remember driving up in front of this house and getting out and walking in, and uh, the living room of this house had a few bookshelves around and there were a few books for sale Uh, actually I think I own more books than they had for sale and uh, there wasn't anybody there and I walked around and uh, I uh, uh, finally went up and there was a little bell that you could bang on the counter there and I hit it and after about two or three minutes this guy came walking out and uh, he looked at me And he pointed his finger in my face. I'd never seen him before in my life. He said, you're not welcome here. We don't want you in New York. I want you to get out of this store, and I want you to get out of the city. I know who you are. You are a Jesus-name apostolic preacher, and you're not welcome here. We don't want to hear what you have to say. We don't want you to poison anybody's minds or spirits. And he turned around and walked out of the room. I felt real welcome. I felt so encouraged. I just felt like, God, you're going to do everything you can do here. We're going to have a tremendous outpouring of your spirit. In addition to giving us $800 a month to live on, they gave the church that we were to start... $250 a month to rent a building to have services. After days of walking, making telephone calls, going from one place to another place, people would look at me, and if I wanted to get uh, just a service every week, one service and have a place, uh, the very minimum price that I could find anybody was willing to open the place up to us for was at least $1,500. It's like, why try? Uh, Hey, God, I was enjoying evangelizing, and uh, it was a whole lot better than this. And I I remember coming home one day, and uh, we were living in a a three-room apartment, And uh, I was so despondent that I kind of collapsed in the floor. And I told my wife, I said, Brenda, there's not any sense in trying. All said and done, it's over. It's finished. We we need to get out of here. And she said, well, what's wrong? And I told her, she said, well, you just lay right there and watch. I'm going to find us a place to have church. I wish I could tell you that I jumped up and hugged her and said, Oh, I admire your faith. But I laughed at her. I made fun of her. I ridiculed her and she picked up the telephone. And, uh, I mean, come on. She got the yellow pages out. There were still a yellow pages in that day. And she found churches in Queens and she started calling churches in Queens saying, we want you to share your building with us. And, uh, 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 the first one said, oh, we're not interested. And I laughed and I laughed. And I said, Brenda, you are so ridiculous. I said, you you think I've got a bad accent when they hear you? You sound like something else. And, and they are not interested in what you've got to say or what you're going to do. She said, you just lay there and watch, buddy. And so she called the second number. And uh the pastor's wife answered the phone. And uh, Brenda, detailed, told her her story. And I'm laying over there, even though I can't see the lady, I'm embarrassed by what all she's saying. And I, I'm wishing, oh, Brenda, come on, hang the phone up, quit it, give it up. And uh, the lady said, you know what? My husband and I were just this morning talking about the fact that we wish somebody would come and share our building with us. We we might be interested in this. Said, uh, my husband's not here. I'll have him call you back. And she put the phone down and she turned around and said, see, and again, I wish I could have said that, oh, God's going to work this thing out. Brenda, if you think they're going to call you back, you are the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard or seen in my life. But guess what? Within about three minutes, the phone rang, and it was Leroy Nixon, who happened to be a professor at Princeton Theology University, as well as the pastor of the Dutch Reformed Church. And he said, uh, my wife gave me this number and said, you called, and we are very, very interested and said, in fact, I'm going to have a meeting with the church this next week, and uh, we'll, we'll just find out about it and so Brenda talks me into getting up Sunday and let's go visit this man's church and see what it's like and I, at the time I wasn't aware of his status and who he really was and I'm expecting some kind of a just you know freaked out place that you wouldn't even want to invite anybody into and we get there and lo and behold it is a free standing you'd have to live in New York to understand what that means A freestanding church, and uh, there's a few parking places around, and uh, it's very uh, neat and uh, over a hundred years old at that time, but uh, something that anybody would want to be a part of, and we walk in and sit down, and uh, uh, he's having church, and he said, oh, by the way, he said, "Uh, I talked with a a, a lady this week, and uh, we're going to have a consistatory meeting Tuesday night, And we're going to discuss the possibility of renting our church with this lady and her husband. And they want to start a new church. And I've been praying about this. And I just feel like God is doing this. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my word. And uh, you've got to know my wife. I'm ready to get out. He's at the door greeting everyone. We're on our way out. And she grabs him by the hand like she's known him all of her life and said, Pastor Nixon, I'm the lady you talked to on the telephone. And I'm like, oh, God, help me. And so he turns around and said, okay. He said, "Uh, I'm Leroy Nixon, and you are. And I said, I'm Gerald. He said, hey, can you be here Tuesday night to speak to our consistatory meeting? I think it would help if you could just come. Well, I'm about to begin to maybe believe just a little bit. but not sure. I, I got there Tuesday night and uh, they talk about it and they say, how many times would you like to have church? Well, you know, we didn't have anybody but Brenda and me. And uh, I'm thinking in my mind already, you know, if we could have a Sunday evening service, they used it on Sunday morning. And then if you get new people, you got to help to teach them. And uh, Tuesday night and Thursday night. And I thought, why not? I said, I'd like to have church three times a week. And they said, okay. Said, now we're not going to ask you to pay for the electricity. We're not going to ask you to get an extra insurance policy. Said, uh, let me just ask you a question. Uh, would you be able to do this for $250 a month? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to know that when you don't believe, who has believed our report? Hey. The Lord wants to touch people and love people and minister to people. And sometimes you've just got to step back, get out of the way and understand that the zeal of the Lord is going to perform it. Well, it's great to have a building, but who you preach to? You don't knock doors in New York City. You don't get on the radio and invite anybody to church. I know some of you have a hard time believing it, but there wasn't an internet then either. And so the only thing you can do is stand on the corner and hand out tracts. I stood, and my wife can tell you, she and I together day after day, hours a day, We literally handed out thousands of invitations to church, thousands. We'd leave where we was walking, and from the building to the curb, our invitations were from it's just wall to wall. And I even had a police officer come by and say, I wish you'd, you're, you're just causing the streets to be littered. Nobody is interested in what you're handing out. Why don't you get out of here? And I I can remember going with, you know, we announced church and I'd go to church and I'd stand there and look out the window and nobody would show up. So I go to a little refreshment area in a store that was called Carvettes, which would be kind of like a Walmart today. And I can remember sitting there, I'd hand it out invitations all day nobody's interested and uh, I laid one on the table and I don't know why but I just said God I put my hand on it I said God let this fall into the hand of somebody that might be interested I left it laying there and I left was having service that night and a lady walks in and uh, she has a little invitation in her hand and she said I got this off the table in Corvette's and said, I, my marriage is in trouble, and uh, my husband is an alcoholic, and uh, I, I really need somebody to help us. You know, this is the kind of people you build a church with. All right? I didn't think so. But the zeal of the Lord will perform things that you just can't believe. And so Victor comes to church. Victor is a Puerto Rican. Victor, I don't think, finished junior high school. He's got a tremendous ability to sell, but he's an alcoholic. And uh, he, he, he has such a difficult time, you know you you, you got to understand, I gave him his first Bible. He'd never owned a Bible in his life. And one night I was just kind of trying to teach a little bit and tell some stories, and I I got to talking about how that David killed Goliath. You know, I grew up hearing that story. I don't know the first time I heard it. And he starts stomping his feet and getting up, and, and of course, there's nobody there. And then when we finally... uh <laughs> got through. He walks up and grabs my hand and said, "Wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. That's the first time I ever heard that story." That, that's the kind of people that you're dealing with here. And oh, he'd pray token tongues on Sunday and Monday he was drunk. He'd be drunk several times that week. You didn't have anybody else to work with, you got to do what you can do. And so I Decided that uh, I'll just pour myself into Victor Melendez. And I started getting up at five o'clock every morning and I would go to his house and he would let me in at his apartment. And I would pray with him. He didn't know how to pray. I would pray with him for an hour before he left for work. And I did that week after week, month after month. And after a little while, Victor finally got the victory over the strong drink. And, and he, he began to come to church a little bit. But you gotta understand, he, he's not the kind of a person that can help anybody come to God. He's not the kind of person that knows anything about the Bible. I I talked about Deuteronomy one time and and something that was in Deuteronomy, and after a few moments, he got up and he said, "Now, where is that in Judah? Deut- and uh, what's an Indian's name, Brenda? Geronimo." Victor had made such a mess of his life that nobody wanted to hire him, even though he was an outstanding salesperson. And so he starts selling Electrolux vacuum cleaners. Anybody believe that the zeal of the Lord can perform things even when you don't believe? Just simply because God loves? And so Victor goes to the South Bronx of all places. Knocks on a door. A lady from the Virgin Islands answers the door. And he introduces himself and said, I'm a... Selling Electrolux vacuum cleaner. She said, oh, said, uh, I've got some people in here from a church, and they're about to teach me a little Bible lesson. And said, I, I w- would like someday to maybe look at your vacuum cleaner. I've heard about them, and I would like to have some kind of a demonstration, but uh, I, I'm busy right now. And Victor said, who's in there with you from church? She said, oh, I've never met them uh, said so they they 've come to teach me a lesson i'm i 'm looking for God he said oh there 's not anything I like to do better than talk about God and what God can do. He said, Can I come in and be a part of your little Bible class? I mean only Victor Melendez could pull a stunt like that. He walks in, sets down, and uh they were the kind of people that knock on everybody 's door and they have a lot of other books and uh, they opened up and they started. Telling their story, and Victor said, Just a minute, I won't tell you what God's done for me. I got the Holy Ghost, and I talked in tongues, and I was an alcoholic. And God delivered me, and God set me free, and said, Have, Has either one of you ever received the Holy Ghost? And these two guys looked at Catherine Bell, who was a black lady from the Caribbean. And she was a designer on Broadway with clothing. She spoke five languages, very uppity and well to do. And, uh, here's Victor gonna, uh, telling her something like this. And, and these guys come and say, uh, Mrs. Bell, this isn't going to work. And we would like to come back at a later time. And they left. And so Victor tells her all about his experience with God. And he said, Hey, I want to pick you up Sunday and bring you to church. Will you come with me? She said, yeah, I'll come. And so Victor tells me, I've got a lady from the South Bronx coming. Forgive me, but the South Bronx? (laughs) Brenda, don't take any money with you to church tonight. I didn't know that when Victor brought this lady, you know, the culture, she was the old matriarch. She had four grown sons. I didn't know that all four grown sons was going to have to come with her and their wives. And a couple of them even had some additional mistresses and they had to come too, along with the wives. And all the grandkids came and there was about 25 or 30 of them that just came in and sat down and I was back in a little broom closet, kind of praying for a few moments, asking God to help me, and Brenda's uh, kind of playing on the piano, and... uh it's time for service to start on Sunday evening at 4.30. And I open the door and I come walking out. And I walk up to this little podium that we have there. And I'm looking down at my Bible. And I'm aware that there's a lot of people out there It's never been in a Pentecostal church before. And, oh, Lord, help us somehow to do something. And I lift my head. And when I lifted my head, this lady, that uh, Catherine Bell, she lets out a blood-curdling scream. I'm telling you, you could have heard it a block away. It was like the most terrified scream in all of her life. Everybody grabbed themselves and I was like, oh, the police are about to come. I didn't know what was about to take place or what was about to happen. And she finally fell back, kind of picked herself up out of the pew and fell back into it and put her face in her hands and begins to cry. And I'm like, Oh God, I got another one. I mean, I just the Sunday before had an individual that came to church and he came to the front of the church and he kept sticking his tongue in and out. <laughs> then he would wag it from side to side. And I went on, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm talking in tongues, man. <laughs> so I got another one. This one yells. I don't remember what I said. I didn't say anything. I wish I could tell you that I was so full of faith and I believed that God was going to do great and mighty and powerful and unbelievable things, but uh uh. It wasn't that I wasn't praying. I was praying, but I'm afraid most of my praying was feeling sorry for myself. I don't even know what I said, it wasn't much of anything. But at the close of the service, Catherine Bell comes to the front of the church. She wants to pray. And to my utter amazement, she receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then she tells me, I didn't mean to scare you tonight. She introduces herself. She said, I I need to tell you my story. For months, I've been so hungry for God. I've been praying. I've been going from church to church listening. I've had my Bible down. I've been reading and said, the more churches I went to and the more I read my Bible, the more confused I became and said, then the other day, Victor came to my house and and said, I thought these guys that were there were going to help me. And, and said, after he talked a little while, they left, and he left, and he invited me to church. And said, I was so <laughs> broken, said, I, I, I decided I was just going to lay down and go to sleep. And I, I prayed a little prayer and said, God, please help me, lead me, guide me. And said, I felt a little peace and I laid down to go to sleep and said, while I was sleeping, I, I had a dream and said, in this dream, said, I, I saw a, a, the way she put it, she said, a, a white man and said, I, I saw the clothes that he had on and the tie that he had on and said, that when I saw this man in this dream, said, there was a voice that spoke to me from somewhere and said, When you see this man, open your heart because he's going to speak truth into your life. I'd like to tell you I prayed that down. I'd like to tell you I fasted that down. No such thing. It was the zeal of the Lord that performed it. Guess what? I think you've already guessed it. She said, when you walked out and got behind this little stand right here and said, lifted your face, said, the first thing I saw was your tie. And said, That's a, oh, that was the tie I saw in the dream the other night. And said, I went from your tie up to your face. And when I saw your face, it said chills went all over my body. I, I, I'm sorry for the disruption, but I was beside myself. Well, let, let me cut the long story short and tell you that it wasn't long till four sons had received the Holy Ghost. Four daughter-in-laws had received the Holy Ghost. Two mistresses had received the Holy Ghost and straightened up their lives and began to live right. All the grandkids got the Holy Ghost. And let me just tell you something. The zeal of the Lord, God knows what to do. He knows how to do it. He's in charge of everything. You know, years later when she finally left New York and went back home to the Virgin Islands, she had won herself personally and prayed most of them through in her living room over 500 people full of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. I want you to know life may look like it's an impossibility, but there's not anything that this God that we serve cannot do. The zeal of the Lord will perform it. About three years ago, it was a Monday morning, relatively early my phone rang and it was brother monty showalter some of you will know him the global missions evangelist with the united pentecostal church and i picked up the phone and said hello and he said hey gerald this is monty want to talk to you for a moment i'm probably waking you up but just rub your eyes and sit up i want to tell you something and i said okay he said i'm over here and uh the Caribbean and said I, I've come to a certain island said it's one of the Virgin Islands and said we don't have a church here and said I I was asked to go and uh, get in the street and preach a little bit and see if we could maybe establish a church and said I I preached a little while said nobody was interested at all and said after I got through preaching there was this individual that came up and shook my hand and said hey I want to give you an address and I want to give you a name. He said because it would appear that what you were saying is uh, taught in this house and uh, they they have service there every week. And uh, he said, "Oh, okay." So he said, "I thought, well, I'll go check it out." And he said, "I walk in and I sit down and said, uh, I look around and said, they start worshiping and I think, man, I feel the presence of the Lord here and said, after a while, somebody testified a little bit and they start talking about Jesus name and the infilling of the Holy ghost and said, I'm, I'm looking around and I don't see anybody and I don't know anybody. And he said, I look up at the front and there's this distinguished black lady that's very elderly uh, said, uh, I think she was about ninety-five at the time. I guess this has been about five years ago, because of what I am fixing to tell you. And said, uh, uh, after the service, that I went up and introduced myself, and, uh, and said I asked her a few questions, and, and uh, said I found out that she was a one God, Jesus name believer, and and I looked at all these people and said, well, who won these people to God? And she said, oh, I did. Said, well, who baptized them? She said, I did. And, uh, he said, you're 90, she said, 94, 95. He said, you baptized all these people, about 25 people there. said, I baptized every one of them in Jesus' name. He said, well, where'd you come from? said, who told you about this? She said, oh, years ago, I went to a church in Queens and said, there was a preacher there by the name of Gerald Morris and he brought me this wonderful, beautiful truth. Hey, the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord. He's here tonight. He wants to do unbelievable things for you. Just about 10 days ago, I haven't heard from them in years. And a granddaughter contacted my wife and said, Sister Morris, my grandmother's birthday is coming up, and she's going to be 100 years old. And said, would you and your husband do a Zoom with us to where she could talk to you? And uh, uh, we agreed to do so. And so, I don't know, five, six days ago, something of that nature, we were in my study at the house and we went to the computer and got everything lined up. And after a while, she came on. And when she saw my face, she did another one of them yells. And she threw her hands up 100 years old. And she said, Oh, brother Morris, God is so good. And she started talking in tongues at 100 years of age. I want to tell you something. The zeal of the Lord. The mighty hand of the Lord. I I feel like God wants to tell somebody here tonight, Hey, so you're not really trusting, you're not really believing? Just push your lack of faith aside. I love you. I'm interested in you. And if you don't have the faith for me to bring it to pass, the zeal of the Lord is going to perform it. Oh, let me tell you one more quick story. Very detailed, and I'm going to cut the details. All of this happened about the same time. I mean, you you got to understand, you, you couldn't make contact with anybody, but God wanted a church, and God has a way of... Get, Doing what he wants to do because God loves people, and the zeal of the Lord will perform what it's impossible for man to do sometime. And through a contact or two, I met these people and they wanted me to teach them a Bible study. And I went to their home to teach them a Bible study only to find out they weren't interested in a Bible study at all. They were interested in the fact that they had heard that I believed in miracles. It doesn't make you feel real comfortable. And so they said, our sister, they were Italians, and said, our, our sister is in an asylum. Said she's had a complete mental breakdown, lots of uh, emotional, different mental illnesses. Said they, they even have to keep her locked in her room. And so they, they actually go in and move her over in a corner and they, they just get a hose and squirt her down. So that's how they bathe her. And said, we, we've asked, we heard about you and we, we asked if we could get a pass this weekend and we want to bring her to your church because you believe in miracles and we want you to lay hands on her and let God heal her. Really? I mean, you know, maybe you jump up now and say, "Oh, Hallelujah," but man, again, I hadn't been on a seven day fast and praying five hours a day. Now I prayed, and I fasted, but I hope I don't disappoint you by telling you that I felt this kind of fear rise up in me, and uh- oh, I'm out on the limb now. what's going to happen? And I thought, I encouraged myself. They won't come. They won't be able to bring her. Sunday rolls around and they walk in. And they say, come back here and meet Donna. And so I go back to meet Donna. She has her arms crossed. I don't know what she was looking at in the air. She was a zombie. She had absolutely no emotion. She just looking into there they said this is the pastor he believes in miracles he's going to pray for you she didn't even smile she didn't act like she heard a word they said and so it's time for church and so I'm doing a little bit of preaching and to be perfectly honest with you in the back of my mind I'm trying to plan an escape How do I gracefully sidestep this issue? How do I get out of this? I get through preaching. I mean, you know, altar calls, they don't know what that is. I got through preaching. They know I'm finished. They stand up. They lift Donna up out of the chair. They bring her to the front and set her down on the front pew. And they step back and say, you got to pray for her, right? And I think, how am I going to tell them this woman? She can't pray. She can't say a thing. She can't do anything. She is zapped. And so I think, okay, I'll lay my hand on her, and I'll say in Jesus' name, and then I'll tell them that I'll, I'll try to work with her and try to teach her a little bit. And I had my escape plan all worked out. And I lay my hand on her and I say, Oh Lord God, in Jesus' name, touch this lady. I'd like to tell you, there was so much faith just springing up in me, but there wasn't an ounce of faith springing up in me. And all of a sudden, she opens her mouth and she begins to say words. And so I look at her sisters and I assume. You know, she's saying something in Italian. I said, "What is she saying?" And they put their ear down, and they said, "Don't know." And I'm like, "God, <laughs> you forgot? She hadn't repented." Literally, I thought that. You know what? I learned that night that repentance can be a spirit and an attitude and an inner feeling of the heart sometimes too. She talks in tongues for two or three minutes. I'd like to tell you that she jumped up. She ran two loops around the church. She said, I'm delivered, I'm healed. She just put her hands down. She did nod her head at me. And uh, she told her sisters, I'm ready to go home. Well, they get her up, and they walk her out. And uh, I'm like, this is strange, man. This is real strange. And so they take her home, and I don't know what's happening. you got to understand, this is this woman's first time to ever even be in a Protestant church, much less a Pentecostal church. In time, I gave her her first Bible. She had never held the Bible in her hands. She had never, ever heard preaching a single time in her life. She knew nothing about the power of God or healing or the infilling of the Holy Ghost. She didn't know any of that. She gets home, and she's going to stay with her husband, who is half Italian and half German, and her two kids. And... uh, she gets out and her sisters walk her in and they quickly leave because, you know, they're like, oh. And so Donna looks over at Dennis and said, uh, are y'all hungry? Would you like something to eat? And he looks around and like, said, yeah. And he said, I sit at the table and I watched her get the frying pan out. She cooks us Bacon. She fries eggs. She made us breakfast. And said, I'm sitting there like, what is going on? And said, then I'm watching her, and she doesn't know I'm watching her. And said, she goes over to the corner of the kitchen and reaches up to the highest culvert where we kept this medicine that we didn't want our kids to get a hold of. And said, she doesn't know I'm watching. She gets all of it out and puts it in the garbage can. He said, "I lost it." I said, I jumped to my feet. And I said, "What in the world is wrong with you?" Our insurance didn't cover all that. We paid hundreds of dollars for that medicine. And she turns around and she looks at him. And she said, "Dennis, I went to church tonight. God healed me, and He told me that I don't need medicine anymore." <laughs> what? They call me later and tell me that. And then she starts coming to church and she starts bringing Dennis to church and Dennis is an agnostic. She brings her little daughter to church. Her name is Jamie. Jamie's got a severe vision problem. Jamie's real open to truth. We take Jamie after a few services and baptize her in Jesus' name. I didn't know she had a vision problem. She comes up out of the water, she goes home, and all of a sudden I get a telephone call and they say, Hey, God performed a miracle when she went down in the water and she came up. All her vision difficulties are gone. We didn't even ask God to heal her. I didn't even know she had a problem. What a God! Just back up and let the zeal of the Lord go. From the beginning of this service, when I came in here, I felt the underlying moving of the Spirit. And I I had everything here lined out of what I wanted to do. Or what I felt like I was gonna do. And all I could sense and all that I could feel before anybody said anything, I started listening to the songs and then people started talking and all I could sense and feel was, I want to heal. I want to perform miracles. I want to reach out and touch people. But he also informed me that there are some here that are struggling with a little bit of unbelief. Let me remind you, all you need to do is just go to the Lord and say, Lord, help down my unbelief. And you know what? You can back up and get ready for it because the zeal of the Lord. Anybody want to stand to your feet? Clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah! 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 Oh, turn your faith loose. Oh, believe him. Believe him. Oh, just step back and say, God, you're in charge. Hey, don't stop. God wants to do something. God wants to do something. Let him go. Let him go. Oh, you need a healing? You need a miracle? Why don't you make your way to the front of the building? They'll pray for you here. Oh, God's going to do some great things. God's going to do some mighty things. Come on, let's fill this house with praise. Fill this house with praise Fill this house with praise Oh, what a God What a God What a God What a God, what a God. The zeal of the Lord will perform me. The zeal of the Lord In Jesus' name in jesus name in jesus name come on let's talk to god let's
1: talk
0: to god